Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I sound like a broken record, but the thing I love about these podcasts and podcasts in general, particularly when it comes to our money, is... It keeps us focused. It keeps us encouraged. It keeps us from doing dumb things with our money, me included. I listen to podcasts that are really just to keep me encouraged because the minute I try and do things myself, I tend to get greedy because I think I can game the system. And the problem with being greedy and desperate is stupidity is its close cousin and dumb is its best friend and you'll end up with no money. And I've been there. I've learned the hard way. But today, got a bit down there, didn't I? (laughs) Today, I'm joined by Owen Rask and Kate Campbell from the Australian Finance Podcast. And we're talking about investing mistakes to avoid. Now, we can't do our Thursday episode without the help of Global X. And Global X also supports you guys, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, so... I'm just going off script with the shout out today. So I just wanted to thank Global X for getting behind the personal finance community in Australia. And it's really amazing that they've stepped up to the plate. They've supported My Millennial Money, supported the Australian Finance Podcast and all the work that you guys are doing. So if you are after some thematic ETFs, Global X have you covered. They've got a downloadable document that details the whole landscape of every ETF in Australia. You can find that at globalxetfs.com.au forward slash MMM. And yeah, just wanted to thank Nat and the team at GlobalX for really getting behind podcasts. One way you can support the show is by checking out our partners' websites and just learning more. So thank you to GlobalX for supporting My Millennial Money and the Australian Finance Podcast and all the stuff that you guys do. All right, you guys ready to have a chat? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, well, let's uh, let's pluck this chicken. (laughs) No, Glenn, I really resonate with what you said in your introduction because we do make a lot of dumb money mistakes. Owen and I have chatted about them before, but our community often send in those mistakes. So we get to learn from them. They get to learn from us. So it's a great uh, self-fulfilling prophecy in a positive way. Yeah. One of the favourite parts about my book was there's a photo of me for everyone who's read it. And it's basically me on an autopsy bed giving the thumbs up with a big cheesy grin and I did an autopsy on my first investment and I think I made every mistake under the sun. And I was probably 18 at the time, but you got to learn from the mistakes. And the good thing about podcasts and listening to people like us is you can basically be catapulted above all these mistakes and not need to make them like, you know, we're probably made in the past. Mm. Yeah. I, I think of it as called it. Well, I think of it as a humility curve. You kind of mm. start investing your money mm. and you get more, more and more complicated. You get to a point where you're adding complexity unnecessarily and you, you know, you kind of think, 
you have thoughts of grandeur in terms of your ability mm. and then you come crashing back down it's kind of like it goes up like a parabola and it comes back down and it's like podcasts and what you do and we do is try and move you across so you don't have to experience that as as ferociously as perhaps maybe we have and that's a you know an unofficial trap because i don't think it's in your list of 10 mistakes like i reckon one big mistake is you said the word complex if people have a basic boring portfolio they think that oh it needs to be more sophisticated it needs to be more sexy Mm. it needs to be complex yeah, there's a huge belief it has to be complicated to work, and it doesn't. Simplicity, we've found, is often the best way mm. for most people to invest. A simple portfolio, a simple strategy, and you don't need to keep checking in with it on a monthly basis. So often the more times we trade and the more times we want to change and tinker with our strategy because we're trying to get to that perfect portfolio, the worse we end up. Mm, mm. Totally. So, Kate, I might start with you. What's kind of an investing mistake that people need to avoid? Oh, well, one of the biggest mistakes I see our community making is investing money that they, they can't afford to lose because they haven't set up their emergency fund, that money set aside for things that when things go wrong, you've got that money. They haven't set aside money for whatever their short-term savings goals and they're just jumping in with that money and they're not prepared to invest for a long period of time. And so then when they do need the money because something goes wrong, they have to sell and it's not always a great time to sell. Yeah, and sometimes we know from history that the stock market uh, crashes Mm. and you might be the unfortunate one who invests your house deposit in some blue chip shares or an ETF or something like that and thinking, oh, you know, this is what I've been told. It's pretty simple. Um, So you get the other rules right, but then you miss this one and all of a sudden your portfolio is down 30% because it's 2022. Mm. And you're wondering, well, I'm not going to be able to buy that house for another one or two years at this rate. You probably sell out of fear. And ultimately, we don't want anyone to be a forced seller. Mm. Yeah, I've got like a rule in my own life where any money I commit to my portfolio there is no intention to sell it, mm. at least for the next 20 years. Mm. And I think it does speak to that I've got my sound financial house in order and I'm doing things the right way. Mm. Yeah, and often it's easy to go in with the intention you're not going to sell for 20 years, but then life gets in the way. And mm. so of, often we think we're prepared to invest for a long period of time, but when things get a bit scary and volatile, we realise we didn't actually want to invest that long. Mm. And I think this brings in the second mistake we see people make, Glenn, which is that people don't invest with the plan. And this, when you say plan, like a statement of advice from your background, you would know can be 90 pages. Mm. And we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is something that you can fit on half an A4 piece of paper that just basically says, why are you investing and how are you going to do it? You can get more complex than that for sure. But if you have those basic bumper bars, you're not, you, can, you can step out of it, but you're probably not going to get sucked into the latest fad unless it aligns with that strategy. Mm. Very simple. Yeah, the whole, you know, investment shiny object-itis, I mean, it's a two-edged sword. Like, we don't want to do things for complexity's sake, but I think there's an argument to be made that you might carve out a portion of your portfolio to invest in a startup. Like, there's a, what's that website, Virtual or something like that? Yeah, Virtual. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like literally in two days' time, there's some money leaving my account because I'm investing in a startup but that's only a small amount of money in my world. And it is about, you know, a plan and a decision-making process that I do have a small percent Mm. for the speculative stuff. 
but I'm not doing it off the back of, well, I'm trying to get rich and for it to solve my problems, right? Mm. There's a lot of questions that we get are, is this too good to be true? Which is a way to kind of come back at that um, get rich quick scheme. And there's some really hard numbers, but easy facts to remember. If you look at the Vanguard charts over the last, say, 30, 50 years, you will see that the Australian stock market and the US stock market, international stock market, even property has returned around about 10%, give or take, right? Around about. And if so, if you're going into an investment expecting more than that, you're making an investment that is riskier than shares. And there aren't that many things. There are some, but there aren't that many things that are riskier than that. There's another number that people don't really know, which is of that 10%, around about 4 to 5% or 4 to $5 would be coming from your dividends. So people then often go, well, is this dividend too high? Mm. Well, if it's above that, if it's over the 4 to 5%, it's probably too high. Mm. These are just black and white, but there's no, and there's no one size fits all with this, but it gives people a sense of, is this too good to be true? Is this a get rich quick scheme? If you go into investing expecting more than that on average over the long term, it may be too good to be true. Yeah. And it's actually interesting you say that because just the other day in my portfolio, like I mentioned that I don't sell for the long term, that's not the same as rebalancing. So there was a, a holding that I had and over the last 12 months, it did like 25%. And exactly right, Owen, I know that, well, if I'm targeting eight, <laughs> you know, conservatively, yeah. well, I'm going to take some money off the table. So I took my capital out and left house money in there. Yeah, And, you know, I, I just think, yeah, you, you said the, the guide rails, the bumpers, like in my life, I don't have more than 10% of my portfolio in single stocks or speckies, yep. basically, yeah. because that's a guardrail that this meathead needs mm. not to get greedy, not to get the sniff of the get rich quick schemes. Mm. Yeah. And I think long term, it is good to have, if you are really interested in investing and learning about different companies and you are often tempted to invest in different things you have researched and heard about, it is good to have a little bit of money allocated to that. So for you, that's 10% in your satellite portfolio, because then it stops you messing around with the core of your portfolio. So you keep 90% or whatever the core of your portfolio is long-term, it's simple, it's stable. It's something that you have a plan written down and you're not checking in and altering it on a regular basis because if you've set it up right, there's no reason you need to change it on a fortnightly basis. And then you have that satellite part of your portfolio to have fun, to explore, to be curious, to if your friend tells you about a great company and you just can't resist, well, at least you limit yourself. So you reduce the damage you can do and you get to have fun along the way. And I think that helps you keep um, discipline long-term because you're allowing yourself to experiment and explore but it's not going to cause harm to your overall portfolio. Yeah, because speaking to me so I don't insult anyone, like the ASX doesn't care about Glenn James. Mm. Shares don't know me. Mm. The, you know, IVV, you know, S&P 500 index, well, Glenn James <laughs> is a nobody. Yeah. It's the ocean. You got to respect it. Like it, it could be all good, but it'll turn around and, and bite you if you don't respect and revere it. And... Yeah, I just think, you know, Morgan Housel in his book, he's big on that. Look, if you do need that portion to keep you interested, mm. it's worth all the money in the world, even if it's a small amount to keep you in the game. Mm. Yeah. 
Mm. And sometimes we do get emotionally invested in companies and it becomes part of our identity. And we've experienced that before that we've seen on social media, people actually attacking if you write an, a negative article about a company and you say, well, there's some, some flaws in the investment case for a company and someone that's invested 100% of their wealth in this individual stock might take that really personally. Yeah. Mm. yeah and it, yeah, we, you can't will the share price higher. Like you can't think hard and visualise like this isn't we're not shooting buckets mm. like it actually doesn't make a difference what you think yeah that's right you're a nobody yeah. there you go everyone today's lesson you're a nobody <laughs> when it comes to investing you're a nobody <laughs> but it means like you don't need to like if you think about the emotional side of investing it's basically pointless mm. like it's 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 basically pointless we, we, it happens but the rational side of our brain should kick in and be like you know what I'm in this situation, it's happened now, what is the kind of objective truth? Um, and there are some when it comes to investing, we just don't always want to think about them too often. So moving on, like when we're looking at individual, be it an ETF or a, um, a direct equity or that mm. thing on virtual, yep. for example, talk to us about another mistake that people can make. Okay, yeah, so I think there's a lot of people that make choices based on things they don't understand. Mm. So uh, this can come from an ETF. It can come in the shape of an individual stock, which is probably more common. Um, and it could be, in your case, like a more venture-style investment. Um, and it, we know how overwhelming this can feel, particularly if you're new to investing, which is why ETFs are kind of easy to wrap your head around. Like it's a basket of all the different shares. Um, a lot of people don't know why ETFs go up, like why the stock market goes up. And remember my number before of 10%. We went back and looked at numbers over 150 years and found that on average, company profits increased 6.5% to 7% a year. So if you think about that, what you're getting is you're getting that slow increase in a company's performance. But a lot of people think that they can do a lot better than that. And some companies do do a lot better than that. And they look at the potential. So they look out into the future, not backwards in the past. And the reality is there's so much that can influence the future is why it's so hard to do. And we just truly don't understand all the facts. Warren Buffett, um, a lot of people may or may not know this, but there have been times in Warren Buffett's career where he's had to step in and run the companies that he has bought. Most of the time, like in 90% of the cases or more, he does not. And a test that some people could put themselves through if they wouldn't be the next Warren Buffett is, do you understand the company well enough to run it? And that's an extreme example, mm. but how well do you actually know this? And we talk about this a lot in terms of just having some basic understanding of what the business does. Most people could get that from the About Us page of a website. Mm. And the simple test is, can you explain what the company does, what the ETF does to a friend? Can you explain it really simply how it mm. works and answer a few basic questions? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, this is probably a really good episode for those who are new to investing, and I like to use the Woolworths example, right? Like you shop at Woolworths and we know that forevermore, there's always going to be supermarkets. So we know that's an industry that probably isn't going away. Mm. And as a shareholder, basically any rule of business is to buy something for less than what you sell it for. Yeah. So Woolworths, they pay for stock, they pay for rent, they pay for staff, they sell the stock, it makes more money than their expenses and the profit goes to the company owners which happens to be the public yeah. or anyone who invests. Yeah. So that's a really easy way to understand. Uh, but if you go to the other extreme, there could be a, a prospecting company and, or a, um, a covered call ETF or something like that. Yeah. 
and you know you just yeah. even finance professionals don't understand those to be honest yeah in my experience um like a covered call etf like it sounds good in theory but how do you actually, how does it actually work <laughs> who yeah. knows but they'll still recommend it so you need to be careful um mm. there are so many things in, in in the investing world you just simply do not need mm. it's only if you want to go there to kate's point before about having that kind of the money outside of it i think and to your point you almost quarantine a certain amount of your money and I would say in that side of your portfolio, that's like your experimentation. And in that side, you might include the things you don't understand. And you might, you know, a really common strategy among some analysts I respect and private investors is they buy a small amount of the company just because it keeps them interested, to Morgan Housel's point. Mm. It might be 500 bucks, a minimum parcel. And then they buy $500 more in another month. And they keep doing that and they make sure, it's basically buying their time to research. It makes them... Go and do Skin the, in the game. And yeah. they might decide in three months it hasn't worked and I've taken my 1500 bucks out. Mm. Kate, one of the investing mistakes that you've got, and I actually don't know what you mean by this, so I'm going to ask you, becoming a collector of investments, why would it be bad to collect investments? Yes. Well, we spoke about this recently because I like to think of it as my bookshelf. So at home, I have a few bookshelves. I've got a lot of books in them and I'm not really planning to get rid of any. I plan to increase this collection over time. And it's quite unwieldy now. There's a lot of different categories. There's overlap. There's multiple fantasy books. There's multiple finance books. And if we think about that with our portfolio, we often don't need multiple ETFs that do exactly the same thing. Right. And Sure, it might be okay for books to keep collecting, but with ETFs and with shares, at some point, you've probably got too many. Mm. So we've had people write in that might have 20 ETFs that do very similar things. They might have invested in three or four ASX 200 ETFs, a couple of US ETFs, some tech ETFs, and suddenly they have a lot of overlap between the the coldings in their ETFs. And especially when you're getting started and you're learning at the beginning and with fractional investing, it does make things easier. And I've done this myself is to buy $20 of Apple and $50 of Amazon and $30 of Tesla. And suddenly you've got a hundred different shares in your portfolio. And it's very hard to stay on top of what any of them are doing or actually make some some decisions. Mm. We, we talk about it um, when we research these ETFs or even manage funds, we talk about what's the best expression of a trade. So this would mean like, imagine that you want to get exposure to growing overseas companies. You could express that view in multiple ways. So you could express that, I want to do that. And I'm going to do that with the NDQ ETF from BetaShares. It's got the top 100 NASDAQ shares. Great. Let's do that. Another person might say, no, a better perspective is I want the global companies. So I might go with IOO, I think it is, or VGS. I want more. I think about it is like every part of your portfolio is reserved for a very specific purpose. And so when you say we want new growth companies, go and find the absolute best version of that, whatever that is. And so we end up with some members that write into us and they might have 30 ETFs and 50 stocks. And you think about that, the headache, managing that tax time, there's probably, you could probably bundle five of those things together and just have one really good one mm. then five that are like, just kind of mismatch. And um, this this idea of a collector can be avoided if you have a plan. Yeah, so it really speaks to that, you know, shiny objects. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I've done a lot of calls uh, in recent months with uh, listeners for our Focus Friday sessions. I'm like, oh, I've got VDHG on this brokerage and I've got VGS on this one and I've got VAS on this one. It's like, well, what are we doing here? Yeah. And not only you've got multiple platforms and 
brokerage accounts, mm. you've got hugely, you know, overlaid asset allocations mm. where you think you're diversified, but you've maybe got 80% Aussie equities. Yeah. And, and you it, might not know it. It's yeah. super common for people, especially at the beginning of their investing journey when they're testing different brokerage accounts to try and figure out what's what, what's right for them. They're exploring different ETF providers and they're going, oh, Vanguard does this and GlobalX does this and iShares does this. And then, oh, there's so many different options. And slowly over time, the hope is that we talk about is that you consolidate and you work out what's your portfolio and what works mm. for you and writing it down and keeping it simple. And so if you add something new to your portfolio, you have to go and revisit that plan and go, what is the role of this additional investment in my portfolio? Am I duplicating something I already have an investment in? Is this something I want to replace with something else? How is this going to fit? Mm. Yeah, we um, we talk a lot about this, but you probably need for a core portfolio, maybe five to 10 ETFs. And the only things that I would add in there is where you can do something else. So like you can use a managed fund or you could use uh, even maybe say a listed investment company or a stock that does something similar, um, but does it in a more effective way. Yeah. And I want to move to your next point because it does lead to what I want to talk about next. So what's your next mistake? Yeah. So um, a lot of people in our generation have read the Barefoot Investor book and they then, or the like the, the Jack Bogle books, and they go, fees are pretty much the only thing that matter. Filter by lowest cost lowest to highest cost. cost. Mm. to highest cost. And sure, that might work um, for, for many, in many instances, but there are some instances where it probably doesn't work. Uh, and there are many instances, by the way, where ETFs don't work. Um, so there's no like one answer to, to rule them all. Mm. And I'll give you some ex- explicit examples. So when I'm looking at um, investments in, say, emerging markets. So these would be places like Asia, Pacific, maybe Latin America. These markets are growing really fast. Mm. People know they're risky. But if you just took a blanket by everything approach, it's probably not as effective as if, I'm going to say the words, if you go with an active approach. You take the risk that you pick a fund manager who doesn't do well, that's for sure. But there are some instances, and it's more likely, not more often than not, but it's more likely you'll find someone in those markets that can do a good job at investing. So there are certain marketplaces where you would go and you want a field guide. There are others where you don't. But the thing is, those field guides cost you more. And so this is not for everyone, this type of investing. Uh, we were chatting to a guy called Todd Barlow, who runs Washington H. Sol Pattinson, one of Australia's biggest companies. And it's like, a, it's like Australia's version of Warren Buffett. And in that, he said, a lot of people think of us as like a one stock, because you can just buy it in your brokerage accounts, one stock. But he was saying, if you compared us, we probably have an all-in cost of around 0.3%, which is very low. It's lower than many ETFs. Mm. And the difference with that is by making that one investment, you actually get exposure to companies that aren't on the stock exchange, so private companies. You get exposure to a whole range of different things in one company. But people think it's not an ETF, therefore it doesn't go in my core. So what we want to focus on and what we want to say to people is don't just focus on the one thing, which is cost. Focus on what you're getting. Sometimes it's worth paying. Like financial advice is worth paying for in certain good accountant. Sometimes you don't want to filter by the lowest cost accountant. Yeah. I mean, I it's controversial what I'm about to say, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I honestly think most people may major on the minor when it comes to investing. Like, what's the cheapest brokerage? What's this? What's that? And there's plenty of people in our Facebook group who go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still happy with um, NabTrade or Comsex, 20 bucks, but whatever. Like, yeah. it's not moving the needle in my world. 
But I reckon for a lot of beginner investors, the one-stop shop portfolio, like your VDGR, the VDHG, and sure, sprinkle some Global X themes on the outside or the odd small single stock, or get a robo-advisor solution. Because if you focus just on shoveling money into your portfolio, you're the expert at your job, you actually suck at investing. Yeah. Like you do, and I do as well. Yeah. So why would I think I can do it? Because if someone has a portfolio that they build their own ETF portfolio, there is no way on the planet, and I'll say maybe 95% of people won't do this, won't go in quarterly, make the decision to rebalance it in the good times and the bad. Yeah. Because they'll be too gun shy with brokerage fees and they won't want to sell a winner or they won't want to mm. buy into a lot. Like, it's just not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. And that's when the most value is created. So, from a financial advice perspective or from a professional's perspective, the most value is created in the times of uncertainty, like actually rebalancing in COVID. Mm. Like, take the money that you had maybe in bonds and put it back into the stock market when then it rallied straight back. Yeah. That Those are the unique moments in history when that type of approach works. But the people who say, oh, I'll wait till it crashes are the same people that when it crashes, they think, oh, I'll, it's a bit scary now. I'll wait till it comes yeah. back. And they just don't do it. So what makes Glenn James a good investor is he just focuses on earning the money to put into the investment. Yep. And you know what? I've kind of like, I actually don't invest to quote unquote, grow my wealth to start with. Mm-hmm. Go with me, Kate. You're looking <laughs> like you're about to press the fire alarm. <laughs> to buy a second boat? Maybe. What I've reconciled emotionally is the best wealth I can make in my life is from what I do day in, day out, mm. my career, my business. Mm. Then what I do is I set up my financial life because my financial plan is give some, save some, spend some in that order and then basically live on less than I earn because <laughs> like, that's what I do, right? So focus on my career and my income, live on less than I earn and then that left over, sure, I'll give some away but that needs to be parked for the future and it needs to be parked in somewhere that is going to have a long-term growth higher than cash. So I just park it in an, like an IVV or a, you know, VAS or something like that. You know what I mean? Like yep. I'm really basic when it comes to my investing. And it's working just, for you. I'm just parking money for the long term. And it doesn't have to be more complicated than no. that. No, I'm just putting all my energy in the shovel, not in the um, the investment. Yeah, because there's ultimately a point where we have to just focus on living life and stop continuously changing our portfolio. Like once we've learned enough and we've got that plan and we've set up our portfolio, sure, we might have the, the regular rebalance and check in and make sure our employer is still paying our super, but you don't need to keep making changes after you get to that certain point where you've got everything set up and you can focus on your career, increasing your income, putting more into your investment, spending more with friends and family, like the important stuff. Unless you want to go full-time into funds management or something like that, you don't need to spend all day, every day researching different companies and investments. Totally, totally. We'll take a break and we'll come back right after this. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, my peeps, we are back. And a bit of housekeeping for the podcast today. Well, guess what, guys? A couple of things. Retire Right, the podcast, it is officially relaunched. We're doing episodes every week. So if you've got parents, grandparents, uncles or aunts, anyone over 50 or 55 that you want them to be engaged with their money, show them how to listen to a podcast. My mum, she's 70. She knows how to use a podcast. So age, it's not actually a thing anymore. It's more of a mindset. If you think you can't, you can't. Uh, but if someone is open to it, make sure you share Retire Right. If you are interested in learning more about the money world and you know, superannuation pensions, estate planning, all that stuff. Have a listen to Retire Right. You'll be entertained. Uh, Matt Hawkins is taking over that now and he's a financial advisor and he's awesome. And My Millennial Daily, it is everywhere now. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Google. It's everywhere. Just daily <laughs> five-minute clips if you're interested in that. And a final housekeeping, our My Money Journal, get your thoughts out of your head onto paper We've got a new print run. It's not just a budgeting template. It is a full journey into the soul of man. <laughs> it's I love wild. your ads, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Kate's getting a live experience of me reading ads without any script. I'm just making crap up. But we will move on. No, Thanks I'm very supporting. impressed. It's all ad hoc. Yeah, you should thing. do improv. I should, yeah. should not. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's all that's happening in the My Millennial Money world at the moment. Uh, link in the show notes if you want to get involved with more stuff. So we've talked about investing money that's legitimately not spoken for, that can be invested for the future. Mm-hmm. We're talking about investing without having a decision-making process that will just lead to chaos. You've got to understand what you're investing in, the products that the company makes or the ETF. Don't collect every second style of investment under the planet because you'll have asset allocation F-ups, basically. And it's just going to be... A mess at tax time, especially. I've uh, yep. I've been there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, focusing too much on costs and fees at the expense of everything else. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a funny thing because so many people 
are in this mindset of, I can't pay for this. I can't pay for that. You get what you pay for a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to spend money. It really is. Mm. So what other, and we've talked kind of, we touched on get rich quick schemes. What other kind of mistakes are we prone to make? Well, uh, Glenn, I'm in my 30s. Kate's younger than I am, so I won't give away her age. But a lot of people that are listening to this, I would say, have experienced, whether they remember it or not, the stock market going up. Mm. Uh, They've experienced property going up. They've experienced interest rates coming down. They've experienced wages going up. That is a pretty unique pattern in human history. And not every investment always goes up. Um, sometimes the stock market will go up because companies get better over time. But if if you think about interest rates, as um, many investors would relate, interest rates are like gravity. So um, if interest rates go up, they everything else comes back down. And that's what we've seen. And we've seen a reversion to what is considered normal. Mm. And so this means that not necessarily what's happened in the past will happen in the future. It rhymes, but it doesn't repeat. And one of the thing, one of the ways you can think about this is in, if you look across your money and your life, just think about, don't try and prepare for a future. Don't say what happened yesterday is going to happen in the future. Just pre- be prepared for any future. Mm. So that might take the shape of like people say like in this, when the stock market goes up, they say, why do I own bonds? And when the stock market falls, they're like, I should get out of stocks. You know, and then when gold goes up, they're like, I should buy some gold. And those are the times when you don't want to be thinking those things, but mm. we do. So just don't assume that everything always goes in the certain direction that you've become familiar with and actually study history. We have had some people on the shows recently that go back hundreds of years to think about human nature and the way societies evolve. And that's a really important strategy to understanding what the future might hold. Mm. I mean, that does speak to not having a strategy, not having a decision-making process. Yeah. I'm just skipping on to the next thing. And that's not investing, that's speculating. Mm. Yeah. And remember, if you've learned anything from this episode, you are nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a reminder to diversify and not put yeah. all of your money into one single company. Mm. Because I've had a company that's gone down 90%. I've got a company that's gone into liquidation before. Wow. But it's not 100% of my wealth. It's a small portion. And so I can manage that because I've also had companies that have gone up hundreds of percent. And mm. so, and my ETFs don't do anything that exciting compared to that. There's not those huge swings on either side but it's stable and it's long-term. And that's it comes back to that diversifying. You're not putting all of your money into one individual ETF or share and you're keeping, um, you really, we don't like the eggs in the basket analogy, but we haven't really thought of a better one. Yeah. Don't put all your rhubarbs <laughs> in, a, an in, a, in a rasket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is an analogy, but um, I think mm. the, the, the thing is like we just, we've become accustomed to things always going up and to the right. And we're not saying that we have some grand prediction, but it's just being realistic mm. and just remembering like you can just look at like Japan went sideways for 30 years. Yeah. And I, I kind of say like categorically, if you're under 50 years old, you've pretty much got over 10 years until you can access your super. Mm. So if you're under 50, you've got over 10 years. The proviso is you call your super fund and you understand what you're invested in. But I don't think there's an argument on the planet for anyone under 50 to have anything less than a 50-50 
asset allocation or seventy percent growth. Yeah, like straight up. Yeah, no. that's some that's some blanket general advice. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Owen and Kate, if I may, the regulator tapped on my shoulder once and uh, queried some of my content. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they said, do you think that was general or personal advice? I'm like, well, it's general. It's impossible to be personal for these reasons. And they said, not that it's bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Hi, hi ASIC, if you're listening. <laughs> That's good. They're doing their job. They're regulating, which they is what we, what we need them to do. Totally. So, yeah, so that looking at... Uh, performance and just majoring on that it always goes up i'm just looking at performance i'm looking at fees you you're looking too micro in the now mm. you got to lift your head up mm. yeah and so many people get stuck on that performance thing they make their first investment and they look in the next day and it's down 2% and they go i've made a mistake i did something wrong this is not supposed to happen and they're only they made they made a long term investment decision at the start they probably, they may or may not have had a plan, but they were thinking this is going to be five to 10 plus years. Mm. But then they look at it the next day and they go, I made a mistake because it went down. And that is a thinking that we love people to sort of get out of because you're comparing that long-term decision based off one day or one month or one year. And that's not really fair. You have to give your investments time to grow and do their thing. You can't just compare things on a month to month basis. Yeah. So would you give that kind of mistake a title, if you will? Yeah, it could be giving in too soon or changing your strategy without actually letting your strategy do what it was supposed to do. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And this is like, I'm just talking about me again, like the more I'm involved with my investments, the worse it is. Mm. You know, the best time to buy shares is probably the day after I buy them. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone have that thing? I'll buy and then the next day it goes down. Yeah, absolutely. I think Peter Lynch spoke about that in his book, One Up on Wall Street. He said, said, my investments go down when I go on holiday. Mm. So that I'm just maximum stress when I'm away on my holiday. Yeah. Um, There's an old saying of like the the seven foot man or woman, whatever pronoun you want. The old old saying is like the seven foot man drowned in a six foot river on average. Mm. And the idea is that we look at it and we think, when we talk as an industry, we talk about averages, but there are some years where it's not average. So averages can be really like misleading in that there are really bad years and there are really good years. And that is why, you know, we talk about most index funds, good index funds will outperform most fund managers on average, right? But within that data, what is often missed is that the investors inside the active funds, so the people that are already like more likely to underperform, not always, but more likely to underperform, they do worse than the managed funds mm. because they jump in and out because they're chasing last year's top performer. They get in, it doesn't perform. Statistically, it doesn't perform the next year. So they get out, lose money, and then they go and chase the next thing next year. And so when we say look at performance, don't look at anything less than three years. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of, you know, one of the lessons that a lot of people had over the last four years was this whole spaceship thing. Oh, yeah. They didn't understand what they were investing in. Tech stocks. It was just all tech. And it's awesome that you want an allocation to tech stocks, but we don't want, like you mentioned, we won't say eggs in the same basket. Yeah. But that speaks to sector, region, company. 
Hmm. Like it's a whole thing and people are finding out the hard way Mm. when it took a 30% bath. Yeah, and then got frozen. Yeah, it's just, it's wild out there, kids. And this is why we just want you to slow down. If you don't have the money to invest, you don't have to. We want you to. And just remember, you are an investor. As long as you've got a job in Australia, your super is invested. Now, any final points, Kate? One of the biggest mistakes people make is never starting. And I was looking at some data from the World Economic Forum. They did some research of investors across about 10 different countries, not including Australia, but the mistakes really resonate with our community as well, is that there is a belief you need more money to get started. These are the reasons why people don't invest. And micro-investing apps, um, there's pros and cons, but they have made investing a lot more accessible for people. There's also a belief that you don't know enough or it's all too confusing to get started, which is starting to change with podcasts and like we do free education courses on RASC education. And then there's also the fear of losing money. That's one of the third biggest reasons why people don't start investing. And if you think about all of these mistakes and you talk to people and you you join the My Millennial Money community and you read about how other people have lost money, you can start to think of ways that you don't follow the same traps. And Mm. you're going to make mistakes. It's a natural part of investing. We've all made mistakes. And I think if you hold the bar that you can't make any mistakes, it can paralyze you from getting started. But there are some big mistakes that you can try and avoid and try and not lose money in those areas. Mm. Yeah. Um, well said. You know, a lot of people don't get started. And that is by far the biggest mistake ever. Like investing, not just in the stock market, not just in ETFs, mm. but as you said, in yourself. Totally. That is the single biggest mistake every single person can make. Mm. And I would probably say as well, like, let's just move to while we're on the topic, because I actually haven't had a robust discussion with either of you. It's a little, I'm probably a little bit contrarian about this whole personal hin chess thing. And investing. Where where's your flag on the hill? Uh, I'll leave Kate to speak her own mind, but mm. um, mine is you may as well have it. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why you might want it that people don't really think about as much is um, for transfers of assets. If you don't want to sell, but you want to leave. So if you don't want to sell a broke from a brokerage account, you don't want to incur the tax, but you do want to leave. A hin makes it easier. Mm. But it's not, as Ralph Wiggum said, impossible. It's not impossible, mm. no. Um, but we see this with some platforms that are on single hins. They refuse to do it. So where you don't get your own hin, they refuse to do it because it is more complex. So, you know, take the United States version. You can still transfer over there. There's no hin. Mm. Um, so that's my view, Okay. I'm a risk mitigator, Glenn, and mm. if I can get extra protection for not much more money, then I do it. Yeah. What's your contrarian view? I think it's a marketing gimmick. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I would say anyone who's hanging their flag on the Hin Hill, if you're going to die on that hill, you better have a self-managed super fund. Why is that? Because your super, which is bigger than most people's individual assets, is on trust. Unfortunately, Glenn, I don't have enough money to have a self-managed super fund, but who knows one day in the Mm. future. Mm. But then again, would you? That's the question. If you had 200 grand, would you go a self-managed super fund just for that layer of protection? I possibly would. I probably would. Even though you don't have to? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'd still have my industry fund for my insurance, but I would have my FSMSF for investing. Mm. Yeah, because as a business owner too, there are significant advantages yeah. from owning the property and leasing it back to yourself. So there's that, excluding all that sort of benefits. Um, yeah, I would still do it. But I mean, the argument can be made too, right? That like say if you invest in a Vanguard fund using say an overseas brokerage account. So you're getting an ETF that might be cheaper from the US stock market. Mm. There's no hint there. Is Vanguard any more risky? Probably not. Yeah. I just think it was a, it's a bit of a beat up and... You know, I don't have any of my investments on an individual hen because of the paperwork thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you take part in corporate action? No. Nah. So you don't vote or anything nah. like that? No. Nah. It means nothing when you're a nobody. Yeah. Like it. Well, you you're know, not a nobody though. Well, I am. Oh, well, we've discovered in this, maybe. <laughs> I absolutely am because I don't do individual stocks. Yeah. So that's another blurring of the lines, which mm. is going to transform our industry over the next 20 years is... Um, Vanguard, iShares, BlackRock, and State Street own about 40% of the stock market. Mm. And they outsource their responsibility for voting on corporate actions like climate change and these types of things. Mm. Um, so that's another thing we're well, we And talk here's about. the thing as well if you're a HIN purist, <laughs> don't you dare buy an ETF. Hinitarian, maybe. Yeah, Hinitarian. <laughs> But does that make like because this? I just want to have the discussion because it's always such a fiery thing online. Hmm. And if you're so pure about I've got to have a hint, well, ETFs can't be for you because you don't own the shares direct. You own a unit in the ETF. Yeah, you got to pick your battles, Glenn. And yeah, I think if I tried to create my own ETF by buying all 200 Australian companies, I wouldn't get anything done. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fair. Like it's mm. fair. Like we have a system which is both custodial driven and hin. Mm. There's no way to escape that. Like Australian Super doesn't have a single hin, um, as far as I know. Um, so, you know, we basically trust in the system, mm. right? Because um, there's been no precedent ever in Australia where money under custody is actually walked out the door. Yeah, I can't think of any. So yeah, I don't know. I just and I probably just want to bring this up. It's like. If you're comfortable with, because Sharesies, you know, sponsor our Tuesday show, if you love the Sharesies platform and it's not an individual hin, knock yourself out. Sharesies has a very unique model. I'm sure you're aware of this, but um, Sharesies are their own custodian as well. Mm. We haven't come across that in Australia before, have we? No, it's usually a separate it's custodian. It's normally like HSBC or Perpetual or something like yeah, that. Yeah, are you getting um, confused with the New Zealand one? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so my... You know, my listeners that invest through shares is in Australia. It's not their own custodian because they wouldn't be allowed to. Yeah. But they're so big, shares is. Nothing against shares is, by Mm. the way. Fantastic. Mm. I think at the beginning it's more important to just get started, whatever tool you use. Back to your point. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's like if – because this is where people, you know, oh, I'm not doing this because it's not a hin or it is a hin. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, if you do the hin thing – and you don't keep records, it's going to cost you more at tax time if you use an accountant. Like, that's just a drama. Yeah. Like, and the whole thing is, if you're just focusing on investing for the long term, it doesn't heaps matter if you've got a direct hint or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many risks in the financial system we simply take mm. for granted 
you know, we take for granted when we get in the car that there's actually an engine which sparks by fire and explodes and that's what pushes your wheels around, mm. right? There's so many things that we take for granted in this world and we tend to hang up on one or two things mm. and the system being regulated. And this, whether you're custodial model, like whether you're on sharesies or whether you're on insert other provider that has a hint, they're still regulated. Mm. And we're, we're very fortunate for that in Australia. Um, and that's why intermediaries, the people that sit between us and the investments can go down and we can still bring them back to life or get our money out. It might take time, but we mm. can still get it back. Um, and that happens. Like you don't have a hint for your business, right? Mm. Yeah. So. And I, that's, I just wanted to bring it up and chat because I, I like getting, because I knew you guys would be a bit hin furious, so I thought <laughs> have a bit of a chat. Oh. <laughs> I, def- I have, my broker's a hin broker. Yeah. 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 I've got two and they're both hin brokers. And um, Though I, I have found that often if you have lower cost brokerage, so you have to be more careful with your plan because the lower cost brokerage provides less of a barrier to yeah. invest. And so I found that I've made more investments yeah. than I would have otherwise because brokerage was lower. But when I had to pay a more expensive, whether it was mm. ten or twenty dollars, it slowed me down a little bit. Yeah, just so in terms of psychology. I think it's fair to say neither of us have been fans of zero cost brokerage uh, for that reason. Yeah, it's made it too easy. We, that's why we say like delete the apps off your phone as well. Yeah, and I think like when I talked about before, like that whole portfolio in a box. If you started with a VDHG or a VDGR or a DHHF or whatever it is, you know. The teacher will appear when the student is ready. And if you start on a platform that it's a one-stop shop and it's easy and all that, awesome. If you get more involved and you work out, oh, no, I'm actually more interested in doing this and I want a direct hin for whatever reason, knock yourself out. But I will just say with any of your investment decisions, if you're making an active investment decision, you've got to hang your hat on your own decisions. You make the bed, you lay in yourself. And if you've got a crazy portfolio with three hens and this over the air and you're, you're whinging at tax time that, oh, the accountant's charged me $600 now, well, you made that bed knowing. And I'm not having a go at people who aren't there yet, but I'm just having a go at people who whinge when they've actively made a decision. <laughs> yeah. I think like we, we, so you mentioned like two brokers before. I use two brokers. Do you use mm. two brokers? Yeah. And I use a, it sort of psychologically to separate my core yeah. and my satellite because it stops me making yeah. decisions and with my core yeah. that I don't want so to. So Nick who does our investor podcast, he does the same. Yeah. yeah and you could yeah. have one that's hin and one's not. Like you could have your, your satellite mm. as maybe no hin. So it's easier, it's lower cost that you can trade and whatever, get on top of tax and it's a bit easier. Mm. But um, in your core, you might stick with the hin because it's a, you don't trade as much. It's okay if you pay a little bit more. And probably one of the biggest investing mistakes that I've seen over the years, um, and I'm probably moving into an advanced um, segment, is the tax planning and the estate planning. Mm. And, you know, if someone's rocked up with serious wealth or there's a massive transfer of wealth happening at the moment, people are inheriting 400000 500000 You've got to get advice. Absolutely. Because you need to get that tax planning nailed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, huge shift over the next and, Yeah, and, and we're not saying we do things. Like I saw in the Facebook group this morning, someone was like, oh, should I put $10,000 into super to get the tax deduction? But then I worked out, I'm only getting this like, no, 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 we're not saying we're making decisions based on the tax. We're doing tax planning, which often speaks to the structure, not the investment. Not to make people panic, but if you do have kids and you do think about this a lot, you only need to look at every budget to realise how many changes there are to superannuation and to 
in like things like this, like tax law. And if you look overseas, say to like the UK or any of the others, Australia is a very rare beast in that we don't have inheritance taxes, unless you get it really wrong, which mm. if you can still get it wrong in Australia and you can blow up your, your children's fortune, so to speak. But um, if you think about that, you would want to be planning for that now. Mm. Like if you think, again, what happened in the past is going to happen in the future. If super's the best place to put your money 20 years from now, there may be consequences. Uh, if you think like like insurance bonds maybe is something, in the past very popular, went into the cold period for a few decades, now they're making a comeback because of those things. I'm a big advocate for bonds. I think it's, yeah, as a financial planner, you'd understand their power. Mm. Um, for the right people, in the right hands. You know, it's funny, the because um, I've just worked on this whole thing, like investing for kids, like the six ways mm. that you can invest with kids and not really talking about the investments, quote unquote, but more the structure. Investment bonds, so like if you invest in your own name, for example, and you know, you're building wealth just for the kids, that has got some pros and cons. But when you look at the investment bonds, the pros and cons swing wild both ways. Yeah. Like they're not for everyone, but when they fit, shut up. Yeah. That's what I reckon. The thing is, we probably don't want to talk about them too much on the podcast because one of the things that I've realised, Glenn, is the the reason... So I used to research insurance bonds in my... Mm. AK investment bonds in my previous job. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that always stopped me from investing is that the rules might change. They were, Hopefully they'll grandfather them, meaning that you would have the same rules when you started it. But it is a minimum 10-year commitment for most people. Yeah, which... I don't know. I'm, you know, a fossil now myself and I've pretty much had mine almost 10 years anyway. So you're in the sweet spot. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I Royal Commission aside, I don't think there has been any precedence not with grandfathering being cancelled or not happening. Yep. Um, and I just can't see it happening. And like you said, Kate, like talk about risks before, mm. everything has a, a risk. Yeah. Mm. And benefits. There's trade-offs to every financial decision That's we right. make. And not only the actual asset itself, but the structure mm. and who's holding that. And yeah, so I don't know. Thanks for having a chat. Do you want me to cut out that hint thing? No. No? I'm not having a go. I'm just having a discussion. No. Got a, I'm, I'm cool. Got a live one in the boat. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and with the bonds, if you earn a lot of money or you're going to earn a lot of money, seriously consider them. Speak to your advisor. Yeah. Well, it's been real. We might actually leave it there. Good chats. Great chats. Yeah. It's good to have you in our studio in oh, Melbourne, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, we've talked about all the mistakes. Leave us with some encouragement. Kate. My current encouragement that I've been telling a lot of people is stop trying to make your portfolio perfect and to try and make all your finances perfect because there's never a perfect time, a perfect decision. There's always going to be a reason why you could have done something else or you could have done it tomorrow. You could have chosen a different option. And if you just think about making progress over perfection, mm. I think that's really important. And also reminding yourself that 
you're not going to become confident on the sidelines before you actually start taking control of your finances. You're not going to get to a point where you know everything and you can just jump in and fix all of your finances. So you build your confidence from taking small actions on a daily basis. So find five minutes today after you listen to this podcast and just do one thing. Check into your bank account. Check your employees paying your super. That is a very important one. Um, I don't think enough people talk about that. That's one thing I'm excited about from the last federal budget, that it will be paid on the pay cycle in the future. Oh, Did you hear that? May as well be, yeah. Um, so in my business, I pay it monthly, mm. not quarterly like the statutory thing. But yeah, so everyone, soon you'll get your super paid uh, when your pay frequency gets paid. So done is better than perfect is what you're saying, Kate. Yes. Owen? I'd just say maintain the habit. And what I mean yes. by that is in a environment where we are now, a lot of people's budgets are severely constrained. Mm. Even if you can't invest a thousand bucks a month or whatever you were doing before, get pick up a micro-investing app and put five bucks in. Maintain the habit. If you listen to this podcast, listen to it um, regularly. Because even if you don't have skin in the game, your knowledge can still compound. Awesome. All right. Great talking shop. Really appreciate you guys jumping on and having a bit of a chin wag. Thanks, Glenn. Always appreciate good to it. see you, Glenn. Search the Australian Finance Podcast wherever you get your sexy time podcast, baby. All right. Thanks, Owen and Kate. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.